Welcome to That's Deep Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. This episode, oh, I'm covering like one of my absolute favorite topics of philosophy. Um, it's part of existentialism, and it's called uh, The Absurd. Uh, the book we're re- referencing is The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. This is one of those books that really changed my life. You know, you read it at the right time. When you're 20 years old, I was full of angst. <laughs> I... I was smoking a lot of cigarettes back back then when I first read this and drinking a lot of wine, hanging out in dark places. This is definitely an episode if you're hanging out in a dark place. Um, my guest is comedian Matt Fulshron, and uh, yeah, we get deep on it. We get deep on the absurd. So enjoy it. new podcast yeah well we'll do it over if you don't like it oh we'll like it i don't care we'll we'll let it rip you comfortable yeah okay uh hi and welcome to that's deep bro i'm here <laughs> today uh with my dear friend matt Fulshron. what's up y'all aka the full charge yeah aka the concierge that's me aka your baby's daddy uh-huh. you should know that by now <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know that figure it out <laughs> get your life together there you go uh, okay, so let's get rolling. Today's topic, uh, we're going to be covering Albert Camus' The Myth of Sisyphus. Something like that. Sisyphist. Sisyphist. Uh, and also, I don't know, maybe a little Jean-Paul Sartre. I was thinking we'd throw him in there with um, existentialism and human emotions. So today's topic in light of having... Oh, and before I start, just so you know, this is not a varsity-level philosophy podcast <laughs> <laughs> by any stretch. Uh, this is me having a bachelor's degree in philosophy and kind of going back and reading all the books I read in my 20s and reading them as an adult now and going, all right, does right. this shit still make any kind of sense? By the way, I took a philosophy class in you college did. and I don't remember any of it and I remember <laughs> having a hard time with it. But That's funny. I don't imagine. I, I really think you're... I picked you specifically. I know how to think philosophically, yeah. but I had problems as a 19-year-old yeah. with what they were presenting to me. Why do you think you rebelled against? Um, I'm not sure why I couldn't wrap my head around do, it. Do you know why? I, I knew how to regurgitate and stuff. Right. And I probably understood it, but I just didn't understand the importance of it, I don't think. And you know what? Most people don't because yeah. it's written... By old white European dudes before cable television, <laughs> where there was nothing to do. Is nothing. it mostly French? Is it uh, mostly no, French? no, uh, no? Germans, some French, Greeks, Greeks, Romans, uh, continental countrymen. Yes, English, gays. Uh, uh-uh, uh, only one, only one. I think Foucault might be the one that I know about that was openly. Weren't all the Greeks gay? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, they <laughs> fuck little boys. 
They well, who can call that gay, really? Uh, back in then, it was yeah. contextual. Yeah. It was, I'm going to throw up. Normal. Um, so, yeah, I always preface this show by saying uh, this is cocktail party philosophy, not varsity level. I may fuck up some facts. I may misrepresent some philosophy, so please don't hold it against me. Uh, all right, so let's start off existentialism, the basic premise we're looking at the end of the Second World War. Uh, people have been disillusioned with the world. Uh, world War One, World War Two. That's communism. where they saw true horror by weapons yes. that had never been seen before. That's mass right. horror. <laughs> there wasn't shit you could really do with like a fucking catapult and a cannon back in the day. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, there was a lot of deaths in the Civil War, right? But that was yes. basically like, all right, I'm wounded, right. and now I'm sick, sick for like six months. <laughs> No one was like dying instantly. Right. And also mechanized death. We saw the Holocaust. And I think that that really disillusioned most of Europe. uh, There's never been anything like that in the history of the world, right? Well, the Russians actually killed a lot of people. But I think the mechanization of the death camps is what really horrified people and changed humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So so you got these philosophers who are in uh, after all this By there. the way, they showed us um, when I was in high school, they showed us the Holocaust films like right oh, before I've lunch. Ne- I've never seen one of those. Yeah. And we were all like, "Oh, <laughs> Christ." And we were just like hating, we were like, "Oh, cuz it's it's just it's the most disgusting thing in the world." And and it never stops to shock. Like I think I can watch the Holocaust over and over and never be not phased and never be not destroyed. No, it's all it's Shattered always the worst thing you've ever seen. It is. And we've had like a good 15 20 years of the internet now. Right. Nothing can touch it. <laughs> no. Nothing can touch right. it. There's no and people are trying to make disgusting shit. <laughs> right. Like uh two girls one cup. Nothing. Nothing on this shit. But what because of the inherent evilness of something like the death camps. I think it made people question does God exist? What the hell in a world of such horror? Right. Is there meaning? Is there a God? And then a guy like Nietzsche uh, and Heidegger and uh, Camus and Sartre, these kind of guys came around. Nietzsche starts off with God is dead, meaning maybe God is fucking dead. Look at this. Yeah. Nietzsche's before these dudes, just, you know. But um, And if God is dead, Dostoevsky said, then anything and everything is possible, meaning morality. It's the death of morality for these people. Right. It's the death of accountability. Right. It's the death of the idea that there is a watcher in the sky. Yeah. And a death of meaning. Yeah. So how do we attribute meaning in our lives without the idea of God? Right. And that's where this discussion today with you I want to discuss specifically. Well, so you know the history better than I do. Were there were there a lot of atheists? <laughs> were there a lot of atheists before the world wars? No. In there's fact, like way more there's more now, right? Well, in fact, common thought was this is this is why the big split happens now in like the postmodern era. Because uh-huh. before this there was Descartes and he did that thing, I think therefore I exist. And yeah. I exist because there is God watching over me. And that's the prevalent thought is that God contains the system of philosophy and gives us meaning. And, uh, and then Sartre comes along and says, no, 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 we're not defined as humans. Like, uh, sorry, Descartes says existence, essence precedes existence, meaning we are inherently human and we are born into this world with these traits. And Sartre flips that and goes, no, we exist. And then we define who we are because God doesn't exist because nothing is absolute. So it's freedom. It's actually this perverse, scary thing called freedom of choice and freedom to be whoever you are. And that's fucking terrifying for human beings. It's terrifying and incredibly freeing. Right. At the same time. Right. Even when you, even when I accept things like that, where when I've, 
when I throw everything out the window, when I find myself in times where I throw everything out the window, I'm like, oh, I can do anything. Yeah. But what the fuck do I want to do? This is awful. <laughs> well, especially in our generation, when I graduated from school, I was like, I have, I can do anything I want. Right. Really, really. I could go to law school and drop out, which yeah. I did, or I could right. be a comedian. Yeah. And you start to realize, like, life... Anyway, so this, this back to Camus, the idea is that life is absurd. Yeah. Absurdity meaning the human condition of, like... What's the point of all this shit? Right. It's Sisyphus is a Greek figure who rolled a rock up a hill. The Greek gods de- de- doomed him to a life he, of He was that. very um, rebellious, right? And he was always like finding loopholes for the gods. Like, Sisyphus, ah, yeah, fuck yeah. you guys, I got you again. <laughs> right. And so the He was like the rascally rabbit. Right. So the he punishment. He was Bugs Bonnie. Yeah, was that he would be doomed to a lifetime. And that, in a sense, of we essentially do that now, this work life of rolling this ball up a hill and then letting it fall. What the fuck is the point? Most people that have jobs do the same thing every day and the work is never really done. Yes. There's few people that, they say construction workers are really happy because they actually get to see something built and then they that. walk away and then they get to do another, another one. Yeah. It's similar. Every day is similar, but you get to actually see the progress instead of, the same thing every day. Like if you've ever worked right. in an office. Oh, yes, I have. You get the same fucking phone call well, from the same goddamn person. Here you go. Every day asking the same fucking thing. <laughs> and they never seem to get better at what they do. And you never seem to get that much better at what you do. That's right. And you never, and you're not even doing anything you want to do in the first place. That's and right. And they keep you there. <laughs> they pay you by the hour, which is insane. Insanity. They don't pay you by the work. Right. They pay you by the hour. They're buying your time and your life, essentially. You're just there. You're just there as a placeholder. And I tell you, when I worked in office, I really worked maybe about two or three hours a day. Yeah. That's all anybody works. <laughs> That's why that movie Office Space is so popular. Because right. like, they just hit the nail on the head where he's like, I say I just do about 15 minutes of actual That's work right. a day. right. And they're like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> but how many... Now, the thing with Sisyphus and Camus is that he believed that Sisyphus was a wonderful embodiment of this living within the absurd. Yeah. The, now, the absurd is a term for the human condition, meaning life is absurd. Why fucking... We're never going to answer these questions about life. And so Sisyphus embodies this thing of pushing this rock up, and he, he's conscious of his predicament, and he lives through it. Now... People like us, I think, yeah. are cognizant that life is fairly fucking meaningless, or, or maybe not. I don't know. No, I, I think so. I think it's, I think it's all very trivial. Right. Because, like, if I try to think of the funniest comedian in 1914, 100 years ago, <laughs> I, I don't know who it is. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty sure in 100 years from now, they're not going to know who we are. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter for shit. Which is why I brought you here today, Matt Fulgeron. Yes. Because you and I on the road, uh, a lot of people probably know this about comedians, is that we're pretty fucking miserable on the right. road. Because it has a lot to do with what we're talking about right now. Like, we got into this because we thought we were going to be doing something exciting. Right. And something that was like <laughs> something different and exciting every day. But you really have a nine to five job in the sense that you go up. Right. And you can't really do the jokes that you want to do because the jokes. It takes a long time for a joke to be funny for me. I'm mm-hmm. not the best comedian in the world. So <laughs> if I want to do something that's really on that's my smart. mind, the audience is just like, yeah, we don't care. Like, where's the, we need to laugh every 30 seconds, guy. Right. Get back. So now I'm telling jokes about something that happened to me sometimes 10 years ago. Right. And I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying. The shit's just coming out of my right. mouth. Right. And it's like, um, you get the feeling of being in customer service. Like, I'm just here to please <laughs> these people. 
at dinner time. And you're, you're and, the monkey, the, the and, chimp, yeah. And the club feels like these people are more important than I am. Mm-hmm. And the point is it's monotonous, just like a regular job. And so we didn't escape anything. Yes. And so it's kind of cruel because we've turned something that we love to do into something that can really get on our nerves by doing it too much. That is, and that's... And, and I, over and over again. You're absolutely right. And you encapsulated Sisyphus. We are doing a Sisyphus. And you know, it's funny, the other day some kid goes, I want to interview you for my documentary on whether or not you should follow your dreams. Uh-huh. And I actually turned it down because I, I was at a place three weeks ago where I went, you know what? Yeah. Qualitatively, would my life be any happier had I not, quote, followed my dreams? Well, that's the thing. If you want to consider happiness, you might have been happier if, if you didn't try so hard because yes. you actually care about this. Yes. And if you actually care about something, you needed to be perfect. You needed to get to like this huge level. You want to be the best. Yes. And it's very hard to get it to that level, oh, especially when there are always people there to remind you, including yourself, yes. that you're not the best. <laughs> and some days you feel like you're oh. not even good. So oh. whereas if you just, especially like I'm getting older now, I know that at this point I would have, if I just had a regular job, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to coast from here on out. <laughs> Whereas now, I feel right. like I really haven't even started my career. You're just starting. I feel actually. like I haven't actually started it yet, and I feel like I have all the work in the world to do, mm-hmm. and I'm overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed, and there's no pension. There's no weekends and evenings free. Yeah. There's no hope of a family life, just really. When, just when you thought 40 hours was bad, <laughs> welcome to every waking second. You got to be on this fucking phone <laughs> trying to make five extra cents. Well, let me, I, you know, before this becomes a bitch fest and, on And every life comedy. experience you have is like, oh, will this, will this work? Right. For is, my next fucking Seinfeld-esque bit? Is this commodifiable? Yeah. I have this wonderful quote uh, from the book Factotum uh, by Charles Bukowski. All right. Well, do you want to see if I, um, if I know what it is? Yeah. Uh, something, I'm paraphrasing, something to the effect that I can't do what most people, what I'm supposed to do. I can't normally do. Uh, there you go, buddy. The things that are just basic human <laughs> existence things, like having a job and keeping a job, make me miserable, and I can't do it. I can't even do like a day of it. Something to go. that effect. Well, I think about I that all the it? time. I think about like, um, go ahead and read it first. Yeah, yeah let's see, because yeah. the way that he says it, for those of you maybe who are listening to this and going, I'm not sure I understand this absurdity. <laughs> I'm, I don't really, I don't know what these two are. Are these two just bitching about being comics? Yes and no. Bitching about working. Bitching about working, working being more specific. So this is from Bukowski, the book Factotum. He says, it was true that I didn't have much ambition, but there ought to be a place for people without ambition. (laughs) Oh, how great is that? I mean, a better place than the one usually reserved. How in the hell could a man enjoy being awakened at 6.30 a.m. by an alarm clock, leap out of bed, dress, force feed, shit, piss, brush teeth and hair, and fight traffic to get to a place where essentially you made lots of money for somebody else and were asked to be grateful for the opportunity to do so. That's the worst part. Oh, man. Oh. No, I think about that a lot because whenever I take a, and it's not just comedy, whenever I take a regular job, uh, and whenever I've taken a job in the past, I'm like, why am I so miserable doing this when everyone else seems fine? Right. But just the idea of doing something <laughs> for someone else all day long, the clients, Kills me. 
the boss kills me. It's like, why me? What do I don't <laughs> what? And then like I don't have anything. You never really get that much money for it. You're never paid what you're worth yeah. because you're essentially giving your life to yeah. a company. And especially in this climate, there's no such thing as union really. There's no such thing as pension. There's no they'll lay you off when you're old. Yeah. The company has no fucking loyalty to you, man. Right. They don't even, I don't think they give you a watch anymore upon right. retirement. That you are expendable in yeah. this climate, in this day and age. And it's funny, too, because I've, I've read about Charles Bukowski, and he used to write every day. He used to go to the post office. Yes, I love that book, too. Post work office. all day long, or all night long. Yes. And then write every day. Get so drunk. this was not really a lazy person. No. This was just somebody that didn't understand the post office part. They're well, like, why can't I do what I want to yeah. do? And that's interesting, and that's the part that you go... Is that where the is that where the meaning lies? Because I don't know where you lean on the God question. Are you an atheist or are you um, atheistic? I, I'm an atheist who will entertain any idea all day long. If you <laughs> present it to me, I'll I'll entertain the idea. So you're an atheist who is open. So you're an agnostic. Isn't that an agnostic? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your What's your upbringing? Just curious. It's religiously Catholic. It's okay. Christian. It's Catholic, which I. Um, am all of a sudden like very upset that I was brought up Catholic. <laughs> like I was fine with it until about two years ago, and I read this book just about how religion is just like really keeps you guilty. Oh, for sure. And really keeps you happy to be working. Oh, for sure. And I was reading this about the Sisyphus, and they're they're talking about suicide a lot. Yes. I think even suicide. Yes is a sin just because then they'll have one less worker. <laughs> I think it's all very, like, to keep poor people in line. You should read Nietzsche's, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yeah. Genealogy of Morals, because uh-huh. he talks about slave morality and Christianity being that slave I can't morality. shake this idea that I always deserve bad shit, oh. and that I am always feel guilty. And I know exactly where it comes from. We're and it sucks, too, because it doesn't come from my house. It comes from the schools I was sent to. Oh, Okay. Well, you think because what you were taught by nuns who beat that nuns shit you? and just and just Catholic school, yes, and um, you know, like it's very much like your life has to be like cool hand Luke, like mm. you just got to take it all day long. Mm. I, I can't explain it exactly, but it's just like there's always like a lot of guilt, and you never feel like you deserve anything. That's that's like what I the negative things I picked up absolutely from so, Catholic school, but in that, but there's also safety kind of. In that context, because then you go, oh, but but God is the watcher in the tower. God yeah. is watching. God is keeping score. Right. By and the way, my soft brain, my soft skull, really wasn't ready to ditch God until I was maybe 20 years old. Yeah. Like, I couldn't shake it at all. Yeah. And like, well, anytime I would like have sex with a girl, oh, me too. I'd be like, I'm oh. going, I'm going to fucking hell for me this. Me too. I had, was I had it a- worth it, Matt? <laughs> I had no, sexual God, guilt. no! Oh, I had sexual guilt up until I got married. Right. And I find that I still transfer the guilt, now that I'm not religious, I still transfer the guilt into like a scientific way. Like, I probably got AIDS. I probably got herpes. She's probably (laughs) pregnant. Me too, yeah. I just ruined my life. (laughs) So it's still there. It's just more advanced and more factual now. Right. You know. But without God, uh, to go back to Dostoevsky, without God, everything is permissible i believe everything is permitted is that the actual quote but what if god didn't exist and there was no scorekeeper would you feel would you feel better or worse um is it possible for you to live i would feel much better if someone proved god to me yeah i would be like this is great like tell us the rules god <laughs> because then i feel like everyone would follow him if there was a real concrete evidence. Yeah. That's one of my biggest problems in life, too, is like I usually follow the rules. And when I see people not following, I'm oh. like, you fucking assholes. 
like when I go to the movies and there's always one person talking, I'm mm-hmm. like, these are the rules. <laughs> I'm following them. Why can't you? When I see someone in the car, it drives me insane me that they too, won't do it because yeah. I can't control it. I wish there was somebody that could. God. Because the, usually people's reasons for breaking the rules are, yeah, but I don't want to follow the rule, even though they're not hard rules to follow. Well, and that's the problem with the existentialism is that people go, okay, but God, if, if you kill God, you take him out of the equation, there's no morality. There's no ultimate right. thing to defer to. And then chaos will break loose and people right. will talk in movie theaters and break traffic. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. most people do. If they're not held accountable through a higher power thing, the God thing, they kind of do act like douchebags. I think there's a group of people, a small group of people who will take advantage. And I think most people will keep the order. I think most people will um, stop a mugging if they can, or yeah. they won't let someone... Most people look out for each other. When I, when I lived in New York City, like, I felt that. Like, everyone really looked for, out for each other, and most people didn't take advantage. And we're not talking about a bunch of devout Christians. Mm. Um, I, think, I think people are into order. I, 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 I think, I'd I, agree. Uh, but... Um, but that definitely opens up the door for, well, I can do whatever I want. But I got to tell you, when I switched from believing in God to not really believing in God, I wasn't like, oh, I can do anything I want now. I, was, I pretty much lived the exact same way. Yeah. I think for me, this weird thing's happening in my older age where I'm starting. I rejected God up until, I was, as a child, I was very much into God. And then adolescence hit, and it was like, fuck God, this is terrible. Right. And now I'm slowly coming back to some sense of higher power. Yeah. I, I can't be, it can't end with me. Sure. The thought of, the thought of life ending with my small, shitty ego, uh-huh. it's, it kills me, and it, it, it terrifies me. Right. So I'm coming back to God now. I'm not in, maybe not a Catholic sense of it, but because to me, I have to ascribe meaning. I just, I can't, because like Camus said, the absurd, which is looking around and going, I'll never know the answers to this. And, and then you feel anguish and despair. Yeah. And then there's that thing of suicide that you pointed out right. earlier is also in that book about, well, why not just fucking kill yourself? Because right. if it's meaningless and you're, there's no afterlife, and why not just kill yourself? And why bother trying anything? It's Which a, is the central question of today's show, I would say. Is right. Why bother fucking trying? I think, if, just to talk about the suicide thing for a second, I don't think I would... I don't think I would ever kill myself. First of all, I don't have the balls to do it. Yeah. But I like the idea of it as an option. And I like like all the things <laughs> I would like do. I like to, all the things I would do. I feel like I would never kill myself because yeah. that would be, for me, what we're talking about. Like, I'd be like, okay, well, now I'm going to do whatever I want for a couple of days. And I feel like that would bring me real joy. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd just never kill myself. <laughs> I think it would just right. keep going like that. So you see joy in the everyday and... and- I see stuff. joy in like doing something new. Yeah. Even though I'm opposed to it generally, if somebody's like, you want to go do this? I'm like, fuck that. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I agree. But whenever something new happens or whenever, just even coming down to Redondo today, it's like, oh, this, this is fantastic. I Some, love this. Something new, something, or something, something, something. Something that reminds you a lot, you're alive and gives you a new like jolt. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I was talking to Tom about this before you showed up about the this absurdity idea and also this idea too in Buddhism that we dis- I discussed in the last episode with Jenny Pentland is that 
uh, there's that Buddhist idea of dissatisfaction. Actually, it's just a human condition where yeah. you want a million. First, you want a million dollars, and now you go, "Oh, well, if only I had two million. No, no, I need, I need five, and now I yeah. need out. There's this constant human cycle, the hamster wheel of dissatisfaction. How do you get out of that? And I said to Tom, "Well, I'm really excited to have this conversation with Matt today. Yeah. That's good. That's a good well, day is to do this. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly." I do know millionaires who who like complain to me about like this sandwich sucks or they just complain <laughs> to me about anything and I'm just like you have no problems. Right. Like stop it. And there's a whole show called Curb Your Enthusiasm where this millionaire rolls around Los Angeles right. and is unhappy with everything. Dissatisfaction. You always want to get to that next level or or you always I mean why is that? Why is that a human instinct? That's I guess to, to just uplift civilization and make us pro- progress, well, I guess. Well, I think for men, I think it's linked to getting laid. I think that society... Oh, yeah, it's all chest beating and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but in relation to this conversation, uh, it's the human condition. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not enough. I'm not full. I'm not whole. But if I get this thing, I'll be full and whole. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I get the right wife, I'll be happy. If right. I get this career thing. And I think that's where I'm at, too, where I go, all right, I have a pretty great career. And guess what? Yeah, I'm not fucking happier than I was when I started this whole thing. So, what is happiness? What is the? Why am I on this hamster right. wheel? Why bother trying? Yeah, if, the, if this circle of dissatisfaction keeps going, and that's kind yeah. of the crisis I'm having lately, man. Honestly, I've, I've gone. I've seen it from both ends. Like I've always like, and it was very much for me. My manager and even my friend Daniel Tosh was always like, "You get that half hour special. That's everything. You get it." And I got it. <laughs> And my life pretty much turned to shit afterwards. You know what I mean? My life got way worse after that. Why did it get worse? Because in a way, it was like uh, I was opening for Tosh and making decent money opening for Tosh. And he was like, well, Matt's all grown up. I taught him how to fish. So he's pretty much on his own. Then I had to fend for myself. And you know what that's like, like going out there and winning over a club one by one. And I didn't even have like an agent really doing it for me. I was just like me with the club and... You know, I'm not going to kill as a headliner all the time. I'm just not. I'm not that kind of comic. Um, then the descent went all the way down to where I was in New York City, and it felt like nothing was going for me, like absolutely nothing. I felt as if my whole life before me, all this comedy success and all these things, I felt like they never happened <laughs> at all. <laughs> I couldn't find a way to make a dollar. It was a nightmare. And I realized I was like really, really, really unhappy, like more unhappy than I've ever been before. And I was like, well, I told myself, I'm like, my life is half over. Mm. Like, do you, is this how you want to feel mm-hmm. for the rest of your life? Like, whether it's going well or whether it's going bad, this feeling like shit isn't helping anything. No. So I'd have a talk with myself and like, for the first time in my life, I started to have a good attitude mm. just because I knew, I, listen, at that point I'd lost everything. God is dead. Success is dead. <laughs> right. Uh, time, time to at least. And you don't even have the shitty job to go to. You don't even I have even your have nine to five. Yeah. To hate. Actually, I did. I was working in a hair salon a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. So you had your. <laughs> Which you is had your, really fucking hard. You I, had your rock to push up the. So hard. I was pushing that. Yeah. The, the spray. The hairspray can up the fucking <laughs> mountain. Um. And so I just started being like, well. You know, I started reading a lot, and it was just like. I didn't. I wasn't happy when I was successful. What were you reading? I read this fucking book, and it's like an offshoot of a very popular book called uh, 
Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Oh, well, yeah, I love This was books, Don't Sweat yeah. the Small Stuff about money because I was really worried about money. Yes. And But there was so many good things about how, like, if you just, if you, just, it was a lot of it's about, like, not being a downer mm-hmm. on other people. Mm. And, like, when you show up and people are like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, oh, it sucks. Everything's lame. <laughs> right. And I would say the Comedy sucks. Yeah. And, but, but then those people that you say that to, they don't want to work with you. Nope. They don't want to fuck you. They don't want to be around you. So nope. you're really killing yourself. Or if you just fake it for two goddamn minutes mm-hmm. and go, everything's great. I'm, I'm, I love this. This is great. It's like, there, <laughs> what did that take? That was like two seconds. You're right. And they're like, cool, Matt. It's fun to be around. You're right. Whereas I want to pay him. Whereas the existentialists would go, oh, fuck it. There's no point. Let's just have a... They have the worst attitude ever, yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys, these French elitist right. guys. Yeah. And I was kind of raised in a sense that like you don't think too optimistically. Interesting. Even though my dad has achieved like pretty much all his dreams, as far as I can tell, hmm. he's very much like he comes from. He's like a chill child of the Depression era. Era. Mm. So is my mom, and so it's very much like don't count your chickens mm. until they hatch. Don't like, don't think shit's gonna happen. Don't get too excited. Don't think too positive. Right. Don't get down, <laughs> but don't go thinking shit's gonna happen before it happens. Smart. Because you'll be disappointed. Oh, and isn't that the worst thing in the world to feel disappointment? Right. Yeah. But. It can improve your life quality to just be like, oh, another thing that I read was really fucking awesome. It was like, yeah, you feel like you need everything to work out. You just need like one or two things to work true, out. True, true. So like that's probably going to happen. One or two things probably is going to work out. So, but you found in your despair that just having the attitude of, look, shit's going to go down either way. Like you're going to have good, you're going to have bad. I may as well... <laughs> well, well yeah, and it was also just the it was it, I pointed out to myself that like okay, when you and I've read about this I think Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance yeah that's a good I haven't read that one that um, when everything was going well I remember being unhappy and when yes. everything was really shitty I remember being unhappy so it had nothing to do with how well I was doing mm. whereas my my thought process was always I'll be happy when I'm doing well. That's right. And then I I realized I was getting close to 40 and I was like, well, I've never been happy with how I'm doing and I'm halfway through this. So how's this going to go down? How important is being successful compared to being happy? Mm. And I very much noticed that those were two separate things. And I still get lost in um, progress and achievements all the time, but I'm, I'm well aware that it's, it's all fucking trivial. Yeah, and I would say that of all the comedians that I'm friends with, you have the best attitude of all of us. Like, you're kind of the comedy Yoda in that uh-huh. you do have a good attitude about success and whatever. And I don't know. That's usually that when I'm me. telling, you know, you guys yeah. <laughs> about your lives. I'm like, you guys are doing great. Everything's <laughs> fine. But when I sit there alone, I'm like, oh, I need to do, I need to do better. <laughs> oh, I need to no. do better. But then I go, I go across a rainbow of perspectives all day long. Yeah, you know, uh, and I just think about things differently all day long. I, I switch perspectives all the time. What do you start at in the morning? Where Where were you this morning? Um, I usually start out cranky. I like to wake up <laughs> and write. That's when reality is usually at its best or at its strongest. Yes. like all the things you have to do, yes. and it's exactly where you are in your life. But I find if I write some a little bit and do something creative, then I feel better. Then if I can take care of some stuff, I feel better. Mm-hmm. Usually if I get on the internet and check out what other people are doing, I feel mm, worse. Nope, don't do that. 
Yeah. Usually other people's perspectives are really, or other people's ideas are really going to hurt you the most with your happiness. If, you know, they'll just, you'll say you're prepared, but you'll go on Twitter, and we were talking about this earlier, you'll read something people say shitty about you. Oh, the worst. I don't want to know that. Or you just see people bragging about how great their lives are, and you're just like, (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong with me? Who are you? Why not me? Well, and I think that's also the disease of the Instagram, Facebook culture, is that people are putting out, not themselves, mind you, but a glamorous representation of what they think their lives are. So the selfies that we see are best-case scenario pictures, and we're we're at the brewery having fun, like... Well, if you really were having fun, uh, you wouldn't stop to take a photograph right. and post it on Instagram. And what else is funny is whenever you see people taking those pictures, it always looks... Whenever you're there, you're never like, those people are having fun. You're like, those people are annoying <laughs> and they're boring as shit. Yeah, of course. And they don't know what else to do. Of they're course. just taking selfies. Uh, yeah, I read about that too. You can't even enjoy like a, a quiet night by yourself anymore because you'll get on your phone yes. and see what everyone else is doing. You'll be like, oh, I totally man, do that. Yeah. I should be doing that. I totally do that. I have a case of I should be having fun. I should be doing a show right now. Even though the thought of doing stand-up makes me want to vomit right yes. now. I should be doing. I should be doing. Yeah. And that's, a, that's also the disease of our time is that everything is doing and very little being is right. happening. It's all achievement. Isn't it an American thing, too, that you always have to work and yes. work is the only true religion? in america yeah i see that yes. uh, there's no bigger compliment than that guy's a hard worker yeah yeah that oh, guy yeah. is a hard worker oh, he is yeah. a self-made <laughs> man right and i think that comes from the puritan work ethic i believe it's yeah. based on the puritans who they just labor 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 started this new country and you don't enjoy your labor you just labor yeah 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 that's the uh the hard knocks where what what is the religion where the labor is the reward is buddhism. that buddhism yeah, carry the water. Right. You know what I read about? Uh, <laughs> I read about uh, J.D. Salinger, or I saw a documentary on him. He, you know, he was very acclaimed with Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. And then he decided he just went out to Connecticut, I think, or Rhode Island, or something like that, New Hampshire, and just rode in a shack <laughs> for the rest of his life and never published anything because that was his philosophy. Mm. He was sick of the the real commercial reward and just wanted the writing reward. And I'm mm. not talking about like. Oh, yeah, he did it casually. He ruined marriages <laughs> sitting in the shack. He wouldn't even go inside to sleep with his wife. Okay. He'd sleep out in the shack. That's great. And, like, type all day. These books that are probably, or they might be published now that he's dead, yeah. but he had no intentions of publishing them. Well, and that's interesting you say that because that's actually Camus' escape hatch out of absurdity. Mm-hmm. He doesn't turn to God the way Kierkegaard did, who's a Christian existentialist. He doesn't say, well, all the problems are solved because God exists or... Uh, you know, just despair. He says, live in the absurdity of life, mm-hmm. embrace it, pull it by the nuts like Sisyphus yeah, yeah, yeah. does, yeah. and create art. Uh, actually, that might be Sartre who said that, the art part, but create something yeah. and just be in that thing. And it's the doing of that expression of absurdity right. that might be your salvation here. Yeah. And I think stand-up for us is an expression of the absurdity. Yeah. And you go, look, man, if the rewards come, great. If they don't, it's the war of art thing. Right. Like, it's the muse talking through me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to be a stand-up comedian to express no, your creativity. No, please don't. Do something <laughs> like writing. Or don't do Don't do or, acting. For don't Christ's act, sake. Oh, That's, for fuck's sake. That, that is... Don't there's, act. <laughs> there's so little, like, um, artist... There's so little creative you can do with acting, don't you think? Yeah. Like, everything's written for it. you. I hate it. 
I, I don't understand why people have the urge to be actors. Honestly, I don't. But whatever. It's just me. That's that's what sucks about what we do. It. People are like, oh, you're good at this. Go do acting. Acting! Yeah, I don't... Oh, fuck <laughs> you, man. Did I just lose a bet? Yeah, I kind of don't really... I don't understand why you'd want to pretend to be somebody else all day. It just doesn't... Like, I, I, I don't know. Then again, I can barely tolerate my own mind, so maybe that will be the best sure, thing ever. Sure, it right? could be a good escape. Fucking who knows. But at, but at my level of acting, it's always like two lines. Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> Playing like a guy that looks like me. What's your, who do you get typecast as? What's your type? I don't know anymore. I've gotten, I think last time I was going out, it was for uh, Young Dad, which I really oh, liked a yeah. lot more than, than Young Hip Guy. Because mm. I wasn't, I, most, of my, most of the time I was going out for acting. I think I started going out when I was like 27, 28. And so in my 30s, I'm going out for these parts that are like 20-year-olds, just based on like, basically like how hip, I, for lack of a better word, my stand-up was. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, this yeah, guy's this fucking guy, cool. So he's a young hip guy. I'm like, no, uh, I'm about 32. <laughs> can I tell you the longevity of being the young blank blank anything? Yeah. That's that's a dangerous uh, hub to be in in showbiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at somebody like Pam Anderson, who just now accepted her mortality. Right. But you look at like, oh, she's she was coined, like she's the young hot yeah, blank, blank. Right, and you go. Well, oh man, you got to live up to that thing. Fuck that! You I saw Angelina at the grocery store last week. You did? Oh, I love her. Yesterday, day before. She's so pretty. Yeah. Oh, Angeline. I thought you meant Angelina Jolie. Angeline. Angeline is, the, is this old woman that tries to look really young. Yeah. In Hollywood. Talk about the epitome of not accepting your mortality. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The the uh, the absolute impermanence right. of life. You're gonna be trying to be cute for eighty years. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to try to die with your heels on? So it's the, ridiculous. Who is she anyways? What is Angelina? She's nobody. She's like she's ahead of her time, actually. She's like a self-promoted celebrity. Right, okay. So she just created... Before the internet. She, she created an image for herself. Yeah. Uh, mostly pink. She has like a pink Corvette. Yes. She wears all pink. And she used to put billboards up around Hollywood. That just said Angeline, and it was a picture of her. That's right. It's actually kind of genius. If she, told, if she said she was an artist, she'd be in like 20th century art books. But she, but, but she comes off as like somebody who's too dumb to understand how the world works. She doesn't. She's not aware of her own irony and her own self reflectiveness. Yeah. Like, I think Angeline was postmodern before anybody knew what that was. She she was like you said the YouTube star before YouTube was right. invented. And I read that she or saw some documentary that she would fuck like really old dudes, and then like you would see her at a shoe shop getting like all these high heel shoes that she yeah. would pay for, and this and that. How interesting! And and what's being made there is just the celebrity. It's just the idea of being a celebrity. That that's her expression of creativity. She she, she I I don't think it goes that high. I think she just really wants the attention and like really wants yeah the fame. That's got to be a, but, an empty. Like I'm saying, it's just so genetically close to <laughs> a brilliant art move. Oh, there you go. Like if Andy Warhol Hall was behind it, right? And if it was his idea that like, oh, anybody can be famous. All I have to do is this, that, and the other. And she had the same exact idea, but she just didn't see how fucking whack it was. Well, actually, Andy Warhol did have the idea. He did it stuff was like famous that. Famous for 15 minutes, and that Angeline is a representation of what and Andy Warhol. Was kind of a ripoff artist in a lot of ways. Yeah, and the Campbell's soup can shit was really meant to be kind of corny and ironic and like, right and fuck a, with art more than be yeah, art. Yeah, and and he used to try to make his own celebrities. He used to have these movies. Yeah, and he'd, just, he'd pick people God, that were really pretty, and he'd be like, "You're a movie star. You're oh. in my movie." 
Oh, the world is a terrible place. <laughs> Isn't the world the most awful place? And then, but how does the, the uh, Velvet Underground comes out of that, which is like one of the best bands, I, who and I that love. like are compl- are always like um, mimicked and referenced to this day. But one thing Andy Warhol uh, did with that band is he said, um, and I think Lou Reed credits a lot of the success to Andy Warhol, not just credit the success, but the ideas for the band. Um, but he threw a model in the band. Nico Andy Warhol's like, you got a model in the band, yeah. And I, it definitely wasn't um, Lou Reed's idea. No. But he rolled with it. But you know what happened to Nico? I, I saw a documentary on her. Really? She just, she just went to shit. She kind of imploded. And she was this gorgeous blonde right. thing. And she cultivated a really nice heroine. Yeah, 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 that'll happen. Because fame, fame without content, which essentially I'm imagining what she kind of was. Right. You know, you want to. Ha- a lot of these people want to be famous and they don't have shit to say. And right. that's the danger of the fame trap. Right, right, right. And she fell right into it. Man, that's so scary. It is scary because she was Gosh. like really young. Really young. When really she was, pretty. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was actually thrown into it. Yeah. That's got to be weird. Fuck, it sucks. You know, that's got to be a hard come down. Unless you're on the, smack, then it's probably all right. See, and isn't this ironic? <laughs> right. Let's are fucking loaded and like, this is awesome. This ain't bad. But then, yeah. And, but again, you know, would she have been any happier had she never been in the Velvet Underground? You know, like, would she be better off to just be a nine to quote unquote nine to fiver and I think work in, in a, a cubicle? In a certain respect, you are better off. Yeah. Because you have a much more comfortable life and you don't have the withdrawal mm. of, oh, this is, and even I face it, even though I'm, I, I still have like, Huge moments in my career every year. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Like, I still feel like, oh, but there was a time where it was like the shit, mm. and and that is, there is like withdrawals left left over, and it's like, uh, you know, when you're not going out with some like after a breakup or something, it's the same feeling. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's I'm incomplete now, right? And there's no trace of it. There's just no trace. There's no tangible trace of it, mm. and and you, you feel that pain. Whereas I don't think you feel that as much if you just like I know tons of people that just stayed in Southern Maryland and I look at them on Facebook and I'm like, these guys got it made. Yeah, <laughs> I really say it, yeah. that. Yeah, I'm like these guys got it made. Everything I agree, is yeah. sorted out. Their problems are different than mine because there's no turbulence. Basically, financially, there's no turbulence. Mm-hmm. It's the same steady income all the time. And they have a job that they can do very easily now. Mm-hmm. They've done it so much, they can do it so easily. My friend owns like a fishing boat, a friend that I grew up with. Awesome. And you know, he's just living the life. Mm-hmm. Got a couple kids, a wife. But is he conscious Is he conscious of the idea of, well, maybe this is kind of dopey and meaningless, this fishing wreck. I mean, maybe I'm bored. Maybe I could be doing something more. Or do you think he doesn't even think I that? think that might pop into his head every once in a while. But I think for the most part, He's just chilling. Mm. He might get bored sometimes. He might get bored sometimes. But I think his kids keep, I think his kids give him a lot of joy. Mm. That was something I was denying for a long time that the kids were a pain in the ass. Yeah. I think kids can bring you a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. And I think um, just uh, uh, a minimal minimal amount of stress and being in nature. I can bring agree. you a lot of joy. And I really am jealous of a lot of people I went to school with. And they'll fucking probably laugh at God. me. You know what I mean? But the truth is, I'm like, man, they didn't take any chances. Right. <laughs> they didn't take any chances. That was something big. That was something good that I, or whatever, it's debatable, that I picked up actually from Christianity was go against the grain. 
Jesus like really went against the grain, mm-hmm. go against the grain and do what you think you should do with your life, mm. not what everyone tells you. But now I'm like, and most of the time I think I made the right decision. Uh, we'll see how this all ends. But uh, I can look at people that play by the rules and I'm like, damn, I never thought playing by the rules would pay off like that. I agree. I was in the shower today thinking that yeah. exact thing of... These girls in high school, I thought I was so much better than because I'm so interesting and a comedian. And I was on television. Well, I kind of envy their lives. Yeah. They got kids. They got a house. They got a <laughs> normal, you know, they just take care of the kids and make cupcake. Yeah. And I go, well, what's so bad about that? And I always thought like that ends badly. There's yeah. cheating and the kids get on drugs yeah. and, and you're buying more than you can afford. But I don't know. There's something to like, ah, I'm not crazy about a big family, but yeah. I mean, just like. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of comfort in that. I agree. There's some comfort in the mundane. Uh, and I think having lived in hotel rooms for the last few years yeah. has really made me grasp that, that what's so bad about sleeping in your own bed? Right. Just the simple yeah. cooking meals in my own kitchen. And you just kind of know how every day is going to go. Yeah. What's wrong and with there's that? No, there's no fucking left turns. There's no, oh, there's no like fish coming at you all of a sudden. <laughs> Not to mention, like I pretty much get sick to my stomach every time I have to do my job. Me too. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm physically averse to doing my job. Is it the b- the performance or leaving town? That- it's the um, it's the judgments oh, from boy, the audience. Yeah. Forget that one. Yeah, it's uh, it goes well most of the time, but I can really think about. Th- I just have an instinct not to get on stage. Wow, that's, that's I have an instinct. One. That's a really most people one. have it. Everybody has it. Everyone has it. You fight it's it. The number one fear, and that's yeah. that's the hardest part. I have the aversion to just getting on planes right now. Do you really? I'm very tired of not being home. Yeah. I'm very upset about living out of suitcases. It's so funny, too. Like, the expression, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. It's so funny. It looks you right in the eyes all the time. Because you always, I remember, like, we were were rookies in this business together. Yeah. And just the idea of rolling around the country. Oh, and that be glamorous. But then you realize (laughs) the country is fucking whack. Yeah. You're not not playing in the Chicago Improv. You're playing the Schaumburg Improv. (laughs) You're at the mall. You're not yeah. at the fucking Sears Towers. Did I get that right? Yeah. And I agree with you. And I, I was just visiting my cousin who just had a baby. And, you know, they've watched me travel the world for the last few years. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's this place like? And I was like, you know what? They got a great McDonald's. It's all the same. Yeah. Same shit, different toilet. Yeah. It's very... And the worst part is a lot of these clubs that we play, the chains... They'll be like, they claim a major city. I know I just basically yeah, said yeah, this, yeah. but everywhere yeah, you yeah. go, it's in the fucking burbs. It's not, yeah, it's not Chicago. It's Schaumburg. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it's not Cincinnati. It's Kentucky. Like, I thought Hartford would actually be in Hartford. I was like, I can't wait to see what Hartford's like. <laughs> we got in a car. We drove right fucking past Hartford. <laughs> and we went to Middletown or whatever it's really called. Well, then, you know? but then I asked the question again. Then I asked the, the question of the podcast, which is, why persist? I think... Why do we do this? I think the reason why I persist is because just the way society is set up, food is taken care of for you, uh, <laughs> safety is taken care of for you, you don't have to fight for your life, and you don't have to find food. Meaning and, just society's taking that burden. Like you don't have to hunt and gather is what you're saying. You don't have to do the basic things you're put on the earth to do anymore. Right. And society's set up that you need money to survive. No, oh, it's the worst. So you need to do something that pays money. Yeah. And I think that's why I keep going, because I think life is horrific without money. That's the way it's set up. I agree. But that's the only reason I do it. But buddy, I'll be honest with you. But you can make money 
doing other stuff, not being a comic. Oh, you're talking about being a comic. Um, I do comedy because I'm just drawn to it. Like a, um, even though I know it doesn't make sense to do, and I, I teeter back and forth too much, like, ah, I'll, after this six months of tour, mm. I'll find something else to do with my life. I pretty <laughs> much accomplished what I want. I've gotten a lot of great experiences out of it, but I'm sick of it. But I'm always kind of drawn to it because there's something in it um, where I just want to be really good at it. And I can't, I can't back down. And that has to do with, um, like you said, like for some reason you want to be the best because in the back of your mind, you want all the women in the world. Mm-hmm. You want to be the best. For some reason, that's instilled in my brain mm-hmm. and my instincts. And every once in a while, I'll go up and mm. do a show that I just really enjoyed. Mm, and there's moments nice. oh. I can I can think of, I'll be like wow I had a shitty year this year and then I'll get out a piece of paper and write all the stuff I did mm-hmm. I'm like fucking amazing. That's true. The flip side is that you've had experiences that I would say 99.9% of the population will never have. Yeah. You've flown in private jets with this ex- month. extremely famous people. This month. Yeah. I took <laughs> I took the fucking LA Metro to Van Nuys Airport and then took a private jet. Because my car was broken down. Crazy. Right. All oh, right. Right. The <laughs> irony. I afford oh, to get it fixed. But there I am on a private jet. Right. Um, and also, I'm well aware of, even though I never act on it, that I can, all these things that I'm unhappy about, I'm in control of. I can quit mm. stand-up comedy today. You could. Right now. And everything would be, I mean, I don't know what I would do, but the point is... I don't have to put myself through that misery if I don't want to. So you're choosing to put yourself through that misery. This is, that's why I don't complain about it that much Got you. anymore. I complain to you. Yeah. Well, we're, we're friends. I complain to you when I'm texting. That's just to like get it off my chest yeah, before I go on stage because I feel sick and I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> and I'm usually not wanting to talk to anyone else in the room. Yes. You know. Yes, of course. Uh, you know the the opening acts and the fucking this, <laughs> and the people then. and everyone wants to try uh, to make me laugh for some reason. Uh, and I just, I just have to contact somebody. The nausea of human existence. So, but it's not the money. So, I mean, I, 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 just going back to what you just said. So you go first. You said it's the money, and then we're like, ah, oh, but you could do a lot of things. You could, be, yeah. You could be a construction worker. So far, this is like the lesser of of all the evils. Mm-hmm. So far, this is the most tolerable thing I've found. Even though I find it incredibly difficult. Yeah, and I, I, sometimes I really don't want to do it. I've I've gone back and I've had jobs before. Uh, recently, I'll have a job and I'll work like all day long, and I'm like, this is way worse really? than doing stand up. I mean, and you'll hear like TV writers complaining. Yeah, and you'll hear you'll hear people who you think have the best job. You'll hear them complaining. Like whenever I go to the Tosh, well, I guess the Tosh Point oh guys don't complain that much, but I can tell they're just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, this is life. Out. No big deal. Right. And I'm just like, I would kill to be here right Right. <laughs> but then that, that's when you realize, like, it's, it, eventually everything becomes a grind, even as glamorous as something looks. Especially if you're doing a show once a week. Yeah. A new show once a week. It's yeah. tough. It is tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even Chelsea Handler, when I worked for her... I remember thinking, gosh, she's so nonchalant. And I was so excited to be there and like, oh my God, this must be amazing to have your own TV yeah. show. And you're like, no, it's uh, it's a grind for her too. Yeah. I mean, look at Howard Stern. He seems like oh, completely yeah. fucking miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but he has money. God damn it. The only, he doesn't seem to care about that. The no. only guy 
who seems like really happy. Uh, tell me if you know anyone else. The only guy I've seen that seems like really happy with what he's doing is uh, Jerry Seinfeld seems fairly happy. I, I'd agree with that. I would agree. Do you think with anyone that. else that seems like really happy doing what they're doing? You know what? I don't. I not. I can think of offhand. And Seinfeld. If you remember that documentary with him and Orny, yeah, comedian, and Orny's flipping out about success and career, and Seinfeld says to him, "Relax, it's yeah. going to happen. It's going to happen." And Just also, he was very much like, "Think about this alternative that you want." He's like, "That's your parents. You want your parents' life." <laughs> Like he was saying, Orny, are you nuts? You want to go have a wife and a kid and just like do whatever? Seinfeld comes from the church of stand-up comedy, though. Yeah. He sees nothing bad with it. Even though there's footage of him in that documentary, like, how famous do you have to fucking be? Mm -hmm. You know, he was pissed at audiences and stuff. Well, and I think, too, even as famous as somebody gets, uh, you're always disrespected in this industry. Yeah. Always. Right. Look at the Joan Rivers documentary. Yeah. There's a scene where she's like, mother, is there ever a fucking time where <laughs> they're just going to fucking respect me? <laughs> right. Because you're always shit on when it's convenient for them to shit on yeah, you. Yeah. Or praise when it's convenient for them to praise right. you to get something out of you. Your agents and your managers yeah. is what I mean by right. that. So, yeah, I mean, is is that all there is? And fuck, why do we do this? And I, I'd say I would do, uh, it would take the money out of the equation. I would do stand up. I think in some form I would have done caveman stand-up, tried to entertain the campfire. But I don't know if I would have made myself the guy that was in charge of entertaining everyone every night. I don't know if I would pursue stand-up as much if money wasn't involved, if I didn't have to get a certain amount of money every month. And I think that goes for everybody working I, I today. I think so. It's really like, look, there's this necessity of survival called money. And this this conversation, by the way, isn't just about stand-up comedians or yeah, people it's about in your show job. business. This is about, yeah, your gig. Would you show up to work every day <laughs> if you didn't need money? Good. But there are and people that do, that win the lottery and they do. My dad would go to fucking work. Well, he would go what he considers work. He'd fix the cars all goddamn day. He'd go out and work on boats all day. He'd do what he's already doing because he's semi-retired. I don't know if he'd go in. He's an aerospace engineer. I don't know. If, he still works like four hours a week even though he's retired. Mm. But I do think I would do something similar. Mm. I think it would be more along the lines of writing, something more I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoy that a lot more than I do presenting it to people. Yeah, I, I understand. The presenting it, you're so vulnerable out there, and good Lord. But I, S- yeah. Some people just want to sit on their ass, though. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I'm serious. Can I tell you that yeah. when I was a little girl, and they, what do you want to do? And I remember saying very clearly... I don't want to do anything right? because I already have everything I need. Yeah. I was never materialistic as a kid. Like I, I still don't give a fuck about stuff. Yeah. I want money so that I can be free. I want money, money so I can be comfortable. And, yeah. and yeah, I don't give a fuck about owning anything. I don't anything. give a fuck I about really stuff. Don't. Yeah. But I want to be free of the cycle of having to get money and worrying about money. That's right. what I want the freedom that money brings. Yeah. But I'm really content sitting here with you right now talking to you and then after I'm going to have a soda and I'm going to pet my dog and see my husband and give him yeah. a kiss and like that stuff to me is fulfilling. I don't right. I don't know. That's what I like. And I think the way it was set up before, by the way, you only had to live like 30 years like back in the day before money <laughs> oh, was all set up. Oh, that would be great. 30 years, oh, you call perfect. it a life. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's all that's I it. Uh, but like, you know, you could do whatever you want. You might starve to death. Yes, but I it was would. your it was your easy choice because 
it wouldn't be that visible. Like nowadays, you're like, all right, that's a homeless guy. All right, that guy lives in a mansion. <laughs> right. You know, it's cave versus <laughs> shittier cave. Right. People are going to fight you for the best cave back then. <laughs> but you can like, you could just get by and you only have to wait it out for like 30 years. And you could do, there was less to do. There was no, there wasn't even any reading. You just fucking sit there. And maybe that's why people like Camus and Sartre and Heidegger and these guys sat around being like, What's the point of everything? Because they were 30-somethings and they were in this terrible world going, wait a minute, I got how much time left on this block? <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. What's the point? And I am almost 40. And you do kind of go, wow, what have I really done here? I've written yeah. some great poop jokes and I've traveled a lot and that's yeah. been neat. But is that all there is? Right. Really? What the fuck is the point? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm having a midlife crisis. I don't know. <sighs> you could be. Well, how do you deal with the absurdity of life? How do you, do you think about it? I don't, uh, yeah, I think about it all the time. And usually at this point in my life, I, I just, I just succumb to it and I try to get as much work done <laughs> as possible. Yeah. And then at nighttime, I kind of let my brain play and I don't have to worry about it as much, but I have, I have not, um, I think about it all the time, but I haven't come up with an answer at all. No, neither have I. I can convince myself that I have the answer for about an hour. Hmm. And then I'm just like, no. I'll be well, like, I'll be, I'll, sometimes I'll be like, fuck all this worrying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck all this shit. I'm just going to go like skateboard. I'm just going to go do this, that, and the other. And that feels really good. Mm-hmm. But then I have to come back and face it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the answer is. That feels like the answer. And then that doesn't feel like the answer. I, I agree 100%. Like You can distract yourself from it with work, yeah. with sex, with food, right. with crocheting, which is what I know, with yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Wine's fantastic sure. for that. absolutely. Pot, super oh. fantastic. <laughs> God damn, you can't even think about what you're doing. <laughs> you can't think about anything. But that's why people, I imagine, like, I, obviously there's a million reasons why, but like people become junkies and shit because they're yeah. like, I can't cope with this, dude. I, this I is get, crazy. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I get suicide. I get heroin. <laughs> I get it. I just don't have the balls to do any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I have too much responsibility for myself and my family. Yeah. But I totally get that. Just check out for a little bit. Mm. Why not? All you care about is that next fix. But there's uh, no going back. And then that, comes, that becomes way worse. That becomes yeah. your absurd reality. That becomes what you work for. Right. And you do get to a breaking even stage. You don't get to a, oh, this is awesome. You get, okay, I'm not going to puke now stage. <sighs> like so Ray Lang. It's the same thing as the heroin is just like you're just chasing money now. It's, no. Now you got to get money and heroin. Oh, that, oh no. Yeah, that's But double. you don't have a job because you're a heroin addict. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. It's only good for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Artie Lang who you and I like grew up listening to the Stern show. Yeah. And, you go, well, here's a guy with a perfect gig. I mean, yeah. for a comic, like, right. that's the gig. It's Pandora's box, though. He, tastes, he tasted heroin, and now he can't yeah. get it off his brain or whatever. Man. And he's still uh, fat, which is so weird. I know. He always thought that heroin addicts would be skinny. Like, that's, that was one of the pluses. Yeah. Is that you like, you wouldn't gain or you'd lose weight. <laughs> but he fucked that up somehow. Um, wow. Well, a lot of times, too, if I go and do, like, I'll be worried about something, like how I'm going to pay a bill or something. Mm. If I do go out and get away from my phone and do that, usually, like, the answer will be there when I come back. I'll come back with, like, wow. a bunch of... It's, it happens more often than if I just sit there and stare at my phone or stare at my computer. If I yes. go for a hike up in Griffith Park, I'll come back. I'll already be feeling better. Yes. 
because I've gotten exercise and I've you you know you forget how much you really need to be in nature to be happy. Like you do kind of yes. need it, like Ralph Waldo Emerson. Right. I agree, a hundred percent. And it's always when you're not looking for the answers that they come to you. Yeah. Like there's that great story of the French mathematician. Pajat Lalazage or what his name is. Yeah. And he was working on a math problem and his granddaughter came in and said, Come come play ball with me. Yeah. And he, he's like, All right. And then in the midst of playing a child's game, the theorem came to him. Right. And I think that is kind of how you have to push through absurdity and through this stuff is right. just kind of try to play your way through it a little bit and have fun and have some cookies and smoke I, some heroin. I right? t- yeah, you got to smoke that heroin. <laughs> or you just eat a heroin cookie. Smoking's bad for you. Um, I remember that. I remember one day I was I was like I'm like all right I'm just gonna hang out with my girlfriend today. We're gonna rent movies. Mm. We're gonna drink a little bit. I turn I actually turned the phone off. Turn mm. the computer off. That's weird. I'm like I'm doing I'm doing this. Uh, no, it, actually actually the phone it went well because. I didn't turn the phone actually off. I just wasn't answering it. And I saw that like Tosh was calling me <laughs> and go. then like um, mm-hmm. his manager was calling me. I'm like, what the fuck? But I didn't answer it because I was still going for this, this whole take the day off thing. And then my home phone starts ringing and I'm like, what the fuck? And, and I, I'm on the phone with like Daniel and his manager and they're like, yeah, you got this half hour special, but it's in the middle of the tour. What are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden I was like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because they've been talking about it all day. And I was like, whoa, whoa, slow down. What? Are you sure? I got this half hour special. Like, what are you talking about? And I mean, the point is, it was a day I was supposed to like take the day off. And, then and I had totally yeah. like put that off my mind. Mm-hmm. I was not planning on getting that at all. Mm-hmm. Because I sent them the shittiest fucking tape. <laughs> well, isn't but that... I, but, I, um, but I really got it. Have I told you how I really got the half hour special? Because there was some fire alarm. I, I was opening for Daniel on his special, and the fire alarm got pulled, and the stakes were high because the first taping wasn't that great, mm. and it was all coming down to the second one. And like I kept everybody there, and I was really funny about it. And then, you know, I, I think I charmed some executives or whatever, and I think that's pretty much how I got it. And the reason I always tell that story is because as soon as that fire alarm went off, I was bummed because. I didn't think I was going to get a half hour special for years. And I was planning on using the tape as like a new tape and like pretty much doing what people are doing now and just putting on the internet and calling it my special. Oh, that's And I was like, well, now it's ruined. Oh, But I think, I think my life went much better because of the accident. And I think that's typical of life. Well, I think you're right. It's the, it's when does a phone ring when you leave town? Yeah. When does the special come? When you think you've ruined it by the fire alarm being pulled. <laughs> right. When does anything happen? It's not when you're sitting patiently waiting like a good boy or girl. It's when yeah. you're out living your life. Right. And in living your life, for some reason, the universe arranges it's things. It's true. Like, I'm working with Bert a lot this year. And that was just because I went to hang out with you and Tommy when you had the benefit for Theo. Oh. And uh, I remember being tired that night and, be, and just ate a big meal. And I was like, I'm, I, can't, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And go. I went, and it just like really kind of worked out that way. So I guess the point of the story is the absurdity of life. is uh, absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> it can't be fixed with work. It can't be fixed with uh, God. I mean, it can, I guess. But um, ultimately, you just got to make the best of the time we have. Yeah. Just it's like, it's kind of it. like, I, I read this thing in uh, Big Brother magazine a long time I ago. I love that one. Do you know that magazine? Skater magazine. The Skater magazine, which for yeah. those that don't know, it became the Jackass movies. Yeah. 
they used to write for a magazine, yeah. which I love telling that to people because it's like, yeah, I like the book better than the I movie. I remember those Which guys. is ridiculous for that movie. But um, Dave Carney, who was one of their best writers, had a uh, article that's like, don't fight the trip. Meaning when you go on a trip, all this crazy shit's going to happen and you're going to spend more money than you want to. Yeah, and it's course. not going to go as planned. But don't fight the trip. This is the trip. Fork the money over. Don't get upset. This is going to happen one way or the other. And when it happens, this is it happening. So just accept it and go with the trip. He meant it in a very physical I love it. road trip way. But I mean, isn't that the ultimate uh, metaphor for life? It is, is the, the journey. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt Fulcheron, for Thanks. being a guest. You were fantastic. Thanks for having me. Uh, I absolutely adore you. I love um, you back. Until next time. All right. Bye, Booth.